0: Welcome to The Progression Puzzle, the podcast that provides you with invaluable pieces of career wisdom brought to you by Barrington-Hibbert Associates. I'm your host, Michael Barrington-Hibbert, and across the podcast, I'll be speaking to a variety of esteemed leaders, thinkers, and inspiring figures from the world of finance, banking, professional services, and beyond to understand how their progression puzzles have pieced together. From words of wisdom to pointers on progression, we'll be equipping you with the skills, practices, and learnings necessary, not only to navigate corporate environments, but to thrive within them and ultimately pursue your professional goals. Today, I'm joined by Gary Pettit, Chief Executive Officer of EDF and MAN, who will be sharing his career journey, personal progression, and much, much more with us. Gary, a warm welcome. A pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Michael. Very, very pleased to be here. Very pleased to tell my stories.
0: Uh, and, and by the way, I do want to say to our listeners and viewers that um, Gary has a lot of stories. So we will try and condense them as we best we can. Now, before we start talking about the, the role that Gary has, I think it's really important just to share a little bit more about Gary Petter. He's a father of three. He's I think his daughter, Grady, Casey and, and Teddy. Um, his oldest boy, Casey, is training with the Luton Town First Team. Gary's also an ambassador for prostate cancer. And as he said to me, his, his biggest and most exciting and proudest moment, apart from his three kids and his beautiful wife, is actually being the best friend of Ray Winston, the famous actor. Um, so <laughs> what I'm keen to do, Gary, is, is really to talk about you and, and your beginnings. I know that you're in a, a chief executive leadership role at EDF Man. But it took some time to get there. So we'd love for you to share with the viewers a little bit more about your background um, from high school and how you, you actually got into the city.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you. And thank you for the uh, introduction. So um, it's been quite a journey, if I'm honest. Um, I was had uh, a, a lovely upbringing um, with, with my mum and dad and my sister. We up in Dagenham, uh, went to uh, Mayfield High School, uh, along with... Um, Paul Ince, uh, I was friends with Paul Ince at school, uh, <clears throat> the Liverpool, Man United, and, and Milan um, star. Me and him used to get ourselves in a little bit of trouble. Very humble beginnings. Um, I wasn't the best at school, if I'm honest. I uh, I, I, I couldn't help myself, but uh, I used to, you know, I, all I really wanted to do was go out and work. You know, I used to I used to mess around at school. I used to you know if if I if I'd, if I'd have focused on my attentions and my ability on doing the uh, exams and the classwork and the schoolwork I would have come away with quite a lot um from there but I didn't but really and truthfully my eye was always drawn to getting to work and earning money you know and, and 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 again when when we were able to in in 1986 I was able to leave school um I managed to get a job for NatWest Bank and uh it was uh it was just a normal uh, retail banking um but at the time they were quite prestigious jobs to to get um and i uh, i managed to get one of them um started off in natwest bank at stratford my 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 best friend there you know and, and you talk about role models and mentors you know there there was one guy there um who took me under his wing when i left there i was fresh out of school didn't know anything about uh, the the working environment, but he took me in there, um, and again we forged a brilliant bond together, and it, and it was quite daunting, really. So uh, I, I went in there, NatWest Stratford uh, was going brilliantly well. Loved the loved the job, loved everything about it. Didn't ever think that that was going to be my end vocation. I would say I worked there for a good couple of years, two or three years, uh, and sadly, you know, we talk about pivotal points, pivotal moments. I got. I got held up at gunpoint when I was at NatWest West Stratford um, on a Friday afternoon, and pretty much that saw the end to my uh, to my banking uh, my banking career. Uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't the greatest experience. It was a Friday afternoon, people coming in, uh, and just before the doors shut, a couple of fellas came in. I looked at them. I didn't I didn't really fancy it at the start. Saw it anyway. Lo and behold, when they got to the front of the queue, they um, they got the guns out and uh and everyone was diving for cover underneath and uh, you know so that was uh that that sort of put the end to my uh my my bank my my bank teller experience
0: gary and that that's a that's a story that i've never never heard before um look how how old are you tom you've mentioned that you you left school in 86 so 15 16 um started working so you must have been about 18.
1: Yeah I was just turned 18 I was just turned 18 and it was quite a daunting experience if I'm honest I mean it was uh as things go and and you get level you know you're level-headed over the years you often reference back to things that happened many years ago uh, and and what makes you you know what makes you lucky to be here I mean look that could have taken a very bad ending you know but uh but look, listen. I, w- I was no hero. I passed over whatever money I had in Mateo and they got on, you know, they got on their toes and, and they went. Um, but uh, you know what? That saw that saw the end to that career. And then I moved into. I, I went travelling for a year. I had my eye on the brokerage game, and I really wanted to get into that. My cousin was in it, and uh, he worked for Tullett in Tokyo at the time. And 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 I said to him, look, you know, this has just happened to me. I really want to get into it. You know, would you? he said to me, "Look, I think you're too young." He said, "I think, I think you're too young. You should go away, come back in a year or so's time, and, I, and I'll try and get you in." Well, lo and behold, that's what I did. I, I travelled around Australia for a year. Um, I went, I went away, did, did whatever I had to do as a young person. I came back in. I said, "Right, I'm here," and lo and behold, that's where it—that's really where the journey started. I started at Talent in Tokyo on the dollar yen desk. Uh, I was the junior, I was had to go out and get all the teas and coffees uh and everything like that, you know. Even 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 wear the boss's shoes in when he got a new pair of shoes, that's what the juniors had to do in them days. So it's
0: sort of like the football piece where you had to had to sort of um buff the shoes and uh wear the shoes in for some of the players?
1: Oh, it was with the lot, you know, it was the lot. And you used to get so many different jobs you had to do, but you know what it was exactly what i wanted to do it was exactly because it was it was a relationship business you had to beaver around to to meet the traders meet the traders at the banks and and uh where you'd where you'd get the business from and to be honest with you it was exactly what i wanted to do and and uh and yeah that was that was the start of the journey if i'm honest
0: and and, and if i can garen thanks for that and the objective of this progression puzzle is to basically link all the pieces together. And, and clearly, two years into your career, you're met by adversity. And that day in Stratford, you you made a decision that I'm not going back to, to, to retail banking. Um, so coming from a working class background in 1988, how did you... Think about traveling for a year because again this this the audience who are listening to this are coming from a wide stream of backgrounds but some are very similar to us that didn't have disposable income to think about that so how did you pull together the funds or well, was this a, a credit card piece that you realized that at the end of the 12 months that you will have to pay it back
1: yeah look i mean listen my mum and dad helped me out i said to you you know although from humble beginnings you know, my, my dad, my mum and dad brought me up really well. My dad uh, was a build, he was in the building industry, you know, and he, uh, listen, I never wanted for anything, you know, n- n- You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the silver spoon touch, but, it, you know, they did whatever they could do for me. So when I said what I wanted to do, I'd saved a little bit of money myself uh, and, you know, they helped me out a little bit, but... By God, you know, when you get on the plane and the plane door shuts and you know you're going away for a year, you don't know how to cook, wash, iron, clean and all that sort of stuff. That's another level up. But yeah, no, I mean that, that was that was something for me to say, you know what, this is where you've got to grow up and you've got to grow up quick, because you go into a land where you don't know anybody, you've got to make new friends, you've got to meet new people, you've got to go and do a, you've got to you know, you've got to go and do jobs that you're not necessarily going to do and i was never going to get a broken job or anything like that out there you know
0: and 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 just move forward and and i'm going to come back to Tullets and again that was a pivotal moment for your career but as you're the ceo of edf man when you're interviewing and maybe perhaps you're a little bit moved away from interviewing entry-level talent but what advice would you give to kids looking to get into the industry where you're you know, may not have the qualifications and are thinking about traveling. What what sort of takeaways would you give entry level talent now, Gary?
1: Well, uh, I think look, I think you know, and, and you're wrong. I, I still do. I, I still do have entry level people because I want to see entry level people. You know, and and you know, we'll come on to some other things in, in a minute. And, and what I think is wrong with the with the industry, and and, uh, and and how things could change for the better. No, to be honest with you um the youth program for me is massive it always has been you know i got the chance with not many o-levels whichever way you go you've got to you, you've got to look at how you can make the best of you right you know the, for me the strengths for me were personality uh hard working i'd give what i could you know i'd help who i could help maybe i haven't got all the qualifications in under the sun but the reality was. You know, when I'm going for a job, I gave it my all. I wanted to. If I've got half an hour interview, I want to look the man in the eyes or the woman in the eyes, and I want to say, I really want this job. I really want to work here. Look, it didn't always work, but you know, uh, for everything when I when I when I'm interviewing people, you know, I want I want the captive audience. I want I want to I want to hear passion. I want to hear from people. You know, so when they come into me, I, you know, I want to hear. You know. If one if, if if people ask me several questions about this, the one thing is, I've, I've interviewed people who don't want to be there. I've interviewed people who desperately want to be there. You know, if you can get that balance right, that's grabbing the opportunity when you can.
0: And 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 I want to share this with with the listeners and, and the viewers because I was speaking to the producer before this call and and warn them about you in terms of your enthusiasm, the fact that you you dress like Casey, Nicky's hoodies and stuff like that. Um, but I had the opportunity to meet Gary over a decade ago. And what he said, audience, was around enthusiasm, engagement. Now, I'm a black headhunter in an industry which doesn't normally have that many black headhunters. And I remember you were ICAP at the time. And you had your business manager, God bless his soul, Richard Brown in the office. And I walked into that room with, with a colleague and I, I felt so welcomed by Gary. He saw me. He gave me the opportunity. He empowered me. And it's, it's carried forward where we've done a lot of work together, but we've also become friends as well. And, and again, I wanted to, to share that with the viewers and listeners, because, again, you'll not do, as I say, um, not as I do, it's been consistent, Gary, over the best part of nearly twenty twenty years now and I, I thank you for your friendship,
1: yeah, and you know and you know what michael that's that's a lovely thing for you to say and and, and I'm going to tell you why i'm going to tell you why I'm like that. I reference back to the chap that took me under his wing tony to uh, to nat West, you know he was my best mate, he was my best man, he was a big black guy, uh he was full of the joys of spring, he was lovely brilliant sportsman and you know what i watched that boy i watched that boy through his life he was quite senior in that west but you know what i watched what he went through i watched what he went through you know and, and we look at various bits and pieces and, and we talk about various bits and pieces now in the media uh, and and there well were, there were a lot of racial things definitely you know and, and 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 that hurt me at the time that hurt me at the time because he, he was the most gentle lovely man who who there could have ever been would always help you. Would you know when I I mean I never forget he took when he saw me coming through those bank doors in 1986 he looked at me and he just said right your first day is it and he and he and he flattered me you know jokingly and all that but by God he looked after me thereafter you know I shared a house with him uh, we grew up and um, yeah I mean he was uh, you know tragedy you know he he died at 36 and he's leaving do from from that west you know he died at the bar uh of a heart attack but but my point my point is and and what i make to you there is you know i i don't care people come in and and you be hospitable to people you you you, i don't care what they look like who they are what backgrounds they come from you look after them it's as simple as that
0: and and look thank thank you for for sharing that and um i've seen a a a beautiful picture of gary and, and and tony um from many years ago and um as I said before i 've got no doubt the big man 's looking down at you at the work that you 've done gary so so thank you very much for, for sharing that with with the viewers now i 'm um, mindful of time and, and again, we talk about your time at Tuat and you 've spoken about role models you 've spoken about people like tony, but you 've also spoken about this over, you know this, this desire, this work ethic, so when you 're at school. In Dagenham, you had the work ethic, but really you just wanted to get into the city. In in terms of where you lived in Dagenham, I'm, I'm assuming there wasn't a plethora of investment bankers in the region, but I'm assuming your role models, because you've spoken about your mum and dad an awful lot, and your dad grafted building trade. Were, were those the role models that you're surrounded by, Gary, which really sort of defined that work ethic for you?
1: They are. They are. They, they really are because my mum is uh, worked at the same school for 50 years now. She's 84 years of age. She still goes in and works at the school, uh, but she's a very active woman. Um, you know, we lost my dad several years ago um, to cancer, sadly. But you know what? He, he's The values, the morals and the ethics that they put into me all those years ago when I was growing up, you know what, is now what I do with my children my mum and dad are my greatest role models, without a shadow of a doubt. I I, I come into contact with a lot of people, right? Uh, whether they be senior, whether they be the entry level juniors. But one thing I they've taught me how to do is cut across the divide. I can I can have the same audience up there as I can have down there, you know. And 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 for that, I'm eternally grateful for them because I, you know, it doesn't bother me talking to CEOs, talking to politicians, talking to whoever that is or talking to the young uh, girl or boy who's coming in, who's as nervous as hell, who doesn't really interview well, the same, the same, the same, the same. And, and you know what, for me, you know, as I say, uh, until I until I die, they would be the two people for me uh, that, that have been my role
0: models, for sure. Incredible. Um, absolutely incredible. And again, Mr. Pettit is still very much living here and with us now in terms of your dad. So, again massive, massive props to to, to, to your parents. Now, what I'm keen to do, and again, just staying on this theme, Gary, because there's a lot of words spoken about imposter syndrome. So you've mentioned the, the ability to connect with a wide spectrum of people. Now, again, if I'm coming into the industry, or there are people still in the industry who still struggle with imposter syndrome, what advice would you give them? Because you've just got this, you know, overwhelming belief and energy around you which enables you to do that but there's not too many Gary Pettits out there so so what would you say in terms of are the things that you would recommend people to do in order to feel more comfortable in themselves
1: well I mean look I think people I mean it's very much horses for courses right and and I never profess to, you know, try and force people to do what they they can't do, or they don't want to do, or, or they're embarrassed to do, you know. And 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 you know, there's there's several people that that would like to do, but they can't. Yes, it might be a talent I have, but there's many things I can't do. For me, having the belief in yourself, you know, getting the courage to go and talk to someone. I mean, if I'm in a room. If I'm in a room with a load of people, I recognize this one, that one, that one, and because I, I know who they are, right? And 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 I won't hesitate to go and say, hello there, I'm Gary Pettit, you don't know me. Boom, I'm, I'm the, you know, this is what I do and all that sort of stuff. You know, for, for, for me, the secret, the secret, and, and, and we'll come onto this in a little while, I'm sure, but network, network, that word network has been the biggest driver for my business anywhere, right? if you are able to network and it, it might just be in in your own little group finding new friends you know making new colleagues at work you know network with them just you know have that have the the gumption to just go and sit say hello there uh, you know i'm gary how are you and, and and all that sort of stuff and and start talking to them if you can break that first barrier if you can break through that ice that is going to stand you in good stead that really is.
0: No, that's, in, that's incredible, incredible feedback and, and recommendations because network is your net worth. And again, what Gary's spoken about here is Gary speaks passionately about his family. So when I first met him 15 years ago, the only governor that um, Gary's bowed down to isn't Sir Michael um, Spencer, is actually Mrs. Pessett. Who is very much the governor. So he he speaks about his his wife, he speaks about at the time there was two kids, and lovely Teddy came along five years ago, and we'll talk about um the, the change in his life. But the big passions for Gary are West Ham United, fine wine, Dubai, and horse racing. So 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 Gary, you know, you very much give up who you are when you speak to people where You talk about what you did at the weekend and and things of that nature. And that's helped you progress. Is that a fair statement?
1: It, it, It is a very fair statement because, you know, the saying, you know, you wear your heart on your sleeve. That's what it is. Right. And maybe to my detriment sometimes, you know, but what with me, what you see is what you get. You know, I can't go into the office. Uh, you know, many days and be grumpy and grouchy and, and, and slumped shoulders and everything like that because people can tell, they can read what I'm like, right? You, you know, I, I'm just one of these people that, you know, I, I'm, I'm usually bubbly, I, I'll have a laugh where I can, you know, and I mean, and, and not always can you do that and, and, and it's been, you know, real testing as I've I've been in this job now, you know, but but as long as you've got the right ethics and, and, and the right way to go about things, And, and go from there you know
0: and 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 I want to take a slight pivot now, going back, to, and this is all intersected in terms of your career, but I want to sort of understand there there are two big changing points in your career, so i'm I'm keen for you to explain to the viewers and and the listeners how you graduated from being an entry level broker where you're having to you know match buyers and sellers to actually start managing a team, when how long did that transition take? So that's the first part of the question. But then I'm keen for you to then tell me how the transition was from then managing a team to then being a the CEO of EDF & Man in London, which is a, a historic, well-respected organisation. So keen to, to you to, to sort of articulate the transition that you had from a broker to then managing a team, how that came about and some of the challenges that you felt with that? Because I'm sure there were brokers that were friends of yours that you had to start managing, and that obviously changed the dynamic. And then ultimately, the the biggest transition that you've made from a professional standpoint in financial services to the current role that you're doing now, Gary. Uh,
1: It goes back to somewhere in the region of 2005, 2006. I took a business trip to New York, And I went out to see one of the one of my only customers at the time when I was broken because a a couple of my guys had left the market and I got there. I got food poisoning on the on the plane over there and I landed in in, um, JFK and I was so ill. Right. And when I got to the hotel, the guy, the trader texted me, said, just to let you know, I've just left and I'm not back for six months. Uh, I've just left. So I, I, here I am in New York and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I've got no business. Every, You know, I've got big clients of mine that are out the market, maybe not coming back, maybe coming back. So, you know, and we and we talk about this word reinvention. Right. And I sat there in the hotel room in New York and I thought, you know what? I've got to reinvent myself here because I am going to go nowhere otherwise. You know, I I, I managed to get out the FX game when it was sort of going away from being a broker market into the futures industry. It it gave me time to reflect. So I stayed there a couple of days trying to get over this food poisoning. And I came back and I thought, you know what I've got to do now? The the reality is if I can't build – business back. I've got to build teams of people. I've got to bring people together and start working and bring revenue in that way. So lo and behold, what I started to do was build a desk, build a desk in London um, by hiring this one, hiring that one, you know, to come and work in a team that I led. So I got up to 10 people and we, we started doing really well. I then said, you know what, I'm going to try it in Chicago. And I was told, you won't make it over there. It's all a closed shop and everything like that. Well, I went over there and I, uh, I, I started to build a team. And I was flying there every two weeks, back and forward. Kelly Pettit wasn't overly happy, but that's, that was.
0: Kelly Pettit, everyone, is is the governor. So we refer to her as the boss. So that's Gary's wife. Carry on, Gary.
1: Yeah, So so I built a team of 10 out there. So i would now had 20 people working for me, right? And what I did was, I, I then just you know started managing up, managing the teams. I was doing a little bit of business myself, but in general, just keeping the team together, seeing the team's customers and all that sort of stuff. And then in 2008, they um well end of 2008 beginning of 2009 they decided to make a change at um mf global and they they let go the guy who was running um financial futures he was in charge of 350 brokers globally and they decided they wanted to make a change well they then asked me uh did i want to take the the role and i I mean to be honest you know what it was it was i hadn't even dreamed of and uh You know what? They gave me 24 hours to think about it and take the job. I took the job. uh, And then, really, my life changed from there. Um, You know, my my city career changed from there. Because, you know, once you're sitting in among all the the brokers and the boys and girls and all this sort of stuff, um, and then, you bang, you're putting a glass office, you're now running it. You're running it here, Dubai, New York, Chicago, Australia, um, uh, New Zealand. You're running everything, right? So... It was a it was a real baptism of fire, but you know what? It was it was uh, it, it probably came at the right time for me. So you know that that really put me on the managerial map. You know that that was the, that was the point that put me on the managerial map.
0: I'm just going to interject for a second because I think there's some th- there's some really big takeaways that I'm I'm keen for the viewers and listeners to to really um, understand. So in, in Gary's gig in 2005, he's got one big client left. Um, you've got two kids at that stage, 2005, right? You've got two kids at that stage, young kids, um, mortgage, and you're up against it. Remember, he had something dodgy on the plane, got, got into New York, and his biggest punter said, I'm out. So I think it's really important that people understand about resilience. Because he, he decided to, to make a decision to reinvent himself. Within three years of not having a business with the Great Suspect, Gary, because your last big punter had gone. No business. He reinvented himself by building people. And I'm sure he took, you took a financial hit at the time, Gary, by bringing people on. Because if you're bringing people in, you've got to pay them. And as a manager, you're the last person to get paid. So you had the support of Kelly. But at the time, remember, he had a young family, a lot of pressure, and he believed in himself. To the point within three years, through resilience, hard work, focus, flying to Chicago every fortnight isn't a joke. What is it, Gary, a 14-hour flight?
1: No, it's an eight-hour flight, but... Um...
0: Time difference. So it's tough. So, so again, really keen, you know, he's put the graph... And as Gary's mentioned, from Man Group to ICAP. Now, I I, I want you to then move forward maybe another eight, nine years. You had a lot of success, and I'm sure there's been some setbacks, but you joined EDF Man. And I I want you to articulate to to the viewers in terms of that next change for you, from from going from leading a a very successful futures um, business, to then getting tapped on the shoulder, to be and by the way, this is the boy from Dagenham with a couple of GCSEs, to now being on the top of his his game as a as a CEO. Gary, talk to us about how that felt, um, and whether you felt you were ready to sort of be the CEO.
1: No, and and I, and I think that's right. You, you know, I mean, listen, it's. Uh... It was um it was a tough ask for me you know I tried to take everything in my stride right um and you know I I, I did a sort of halfway house when we when we moved from from ICAP to uh, to EDF Man that was the second time we've moved a, a, you know 50, 60 brokers in one go really and truthfully stealth like fashion in you go you're done but you get the following because of your your network and and, and people trust you right I then took over the front office. Running the front office at EDF, man, that included the metals, the FX business, the, the clearing business—not just financial futures—which I was in, in, in touch with them. But then, obviously, October twenty um, came the time they, they tapped me on the shoulder and said to me, "You know what? We'd like you to—we'd uh, like you to have a go at the CEO job. We've interviewed ten or fifteen people." um you know we want you to have a go do, do you want to have a go and i said not really um you know i, I i've got other things go on i've got other things to do uh, you know i just started my agency and all that sort of stuff and i thought you know what i i could but again again it's reinvention right i had i had an easy life to carry on doing what i was doing i could have stayed doing that and and, and earning nice money and all that sort of stuff but i decided you know after sitting down with a boss and and and, and chatting and you know what? It it was something I wanted to have a go at. I wanted to have a go at it in the end, you know. It and 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 you know, EDF, we've had our problems, no doubt. You know, we we've had to do quite a lot of things in the time that I've been doing it, some unpleasant, some pleasant. Um, but you know what? It was something that I just wanted to challenge myself. And you and you hark back to, you know, where you've come from, where you are again i'm not the finished article and i never will be but to be honest to give myself that opportunity and give myself a go if i fail miserably so be it but have a go have a go that's the main thing just have a go
0: and there's a humbleness about you gary and i I love the the comment that you just mentioned is that you're not the finished article you still want to learn you still thrive have that passion at first um so we've spoken about Some of your career highlights so again the promotions i'm sure seeing other people i know you get great satisfaction with nurturing developing um and coaching people so to to our viewers i've worked with gary um for a number of years over a decade now and i remember a young man i was in singapore doing some work for gary and there was a young man called robert palmer um who recently just joined edf ICAP or EDF, ICAP at the time actually um, from from Durham University had no experience, was a um, a fish out of water to say the least. And Gary, what is is Robert like? Ten years in at EDF, man. Now he got promoted recently to a senior role.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's doing that at a clearing now. He's done, he's done magnificently well, Rob. He, he, he's a lovely lad. You know, and uh, and and again, uh, you're right. You make a great analogy, right? I love the success stories. I love bringing people through. You know, we, we've got we've got several people like that. You know, one of our biggest futures brokers. I took him off the grad program. He was the last to be taken off. But what a genius he is! You know, and he and he's he's one of our top producers now. You know, he's. Uh, a lovely lad, as is, as is Rob, you know. And, and again, you know, all, all the while I come through and I do what I do and I push myself, I always look to see where where there's other people to get a really good, tight group around you. And that's, and that's where Rob was.
0: And, and we've touched on a number of your professional um, highlights. What have been a number of your personal highlights, keen to for our viewers and listeners to to get to know a little bit more about, about you? So what have been the personal highlights, aside from marrying up with Kelly and three beautiful kids? What would you say have been, you know, you've mentioned about the agency. I know that's professional, but, you know, can you share a little bit of, of that in terms of the success that you've had with the sports uh, agency you set up?
1: Yeah, I mean look it, it, I mean look I always look around um, for things that uh, that I'd be interested in doing and 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 you always look at succession planning and you want to do. I decided I wanted to have a look at a, a you know try and get into the sports agency game. I thought that um, you know i mean it's got the, it 's it's, it's got a worse name than broken for sure you know i mean we we're, we're people doing all sorts of uh, skullduggery and deals and all that and I watch it and and, and agents have got terrible names I thought couple of years ago that, you know what, this game at some point will be regulated and, and, and it, will, it will change and, and, and there'll only be a few uh, agents that will be left or big agent companies. Anyway, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't think, you know, obviously the pandemic has brought everything forward, but um, no, we've, we, you know, we've done well with integral sports management. I set it up with um, Ray Winston. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we decided that, um, we were gonna, we were gonna sort of have a little go at it, see what we could do. He he used to come and watch my Casey play when he was at West Ham and at Millwall, um, and, and he used to watch it. And we used to watch how some of the kids would come with no parents, some with parents. We'd watch agents be, you know, misbehave themselves on the line, trying to tap parents up when they're too young to do it, and all that sort of stuff. And and I and I just thought the game it was vile, you know, but I did think that we could make a difference, and with that. Um, you know, we've met, ma- we've managed, we've been going for about 18 months now. We've got 60 players. We're trying to do deals at the moment with the army. Um, and we're looking at the kids who don't quite make it in, in, um, in their scholar years at, at clubs to go in and be elite athletes in the army. We do big things on mental health, um, you know, and looking after, looking after people as they go through their trials and tribulations about being released and everything like that. We have Bianca Westwood from Sky Sky Report. She works with us as well. You know, we've got Peter Barney, who's the, used to be the uh, CEO of Charlton. Um, he, he runs the agency for us and, yeah, and, and we try to we try to do the ethical thing, you know. Uh, you know, we're not all Mother Teresa, and I, I realise that. But the but the reality is, um, we 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 know we've got a care of duty to people that we look after. We have uh, Emily Appleton, a, a tennis, a young tennis girl who's number eight in in the UK. We're just taking on another tennis, uh, another tennis player. We've got a. We've got a, a, an apprentice jockey, uh, a, a lovely um, young lady, Emma Smith Chaston, from up, uh, up in Leeds. So she's, she's with us. Uh, we've got, yeah, we've got some female footballers, um, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of uh, male footballers, including my, my lad. So that was something that I wanted to get into and, uh, and, and see what we could do and try and make a difference.
0: The listeners and viewers will see the passion, like, you know, Gary. It's so passionate. It's not just about the business, about family, but you, you hear the passion that like, I'm sat here just bloody hell, I'd love to get involved. So, this is the enthusiasm. And again, I think that the, the wellness side and the aftercare component, um, you know, I read a, a statistic yesterday, Gary, when I was prepping for this meeting, and uh, apparently 97% of all academy players in the professional game will not play one minute of professional football for for those clubs. So the aftercare component is there. And I think what's really uh, interesting, that Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Gary's picked up so many positive attributes that he's learned from his father. And it's it's falling to Casey as well, because we talk about resilience, you know, massive West Ham family. I remember Gary telling me when Case got picked up by, by West Ham, Um, unfortunately got released, then went to Millwall, um, and then for whatever reason didn't happen at Millwall, and then found a home at at Luton. Um, And again, this is what's really important for for our listeners is to understand that you've got to build in resilience, you've got to bounce back. Go back to that analogy or that example of Gary Pettit um, with a a, food poisoning in 2005, and that this man turned it round to make make it as a CEO. Now. Gary, if you you may, and and, and we're going to sort of move on towards the end of the the, the interview, but um, I'm I'm really keen um, for you to share, and I think you've been very public um, around some of the personal challenges that you you face. And I think it's really important for us in this interview. We've given a number of highlights. You've, You've spoken about Stratford being held at gunpoint. You've spoken about resilience. But I'm really keen for you to sort of share a little bit in terms of some of the, the personal and professional setbacks that you have, because I do not want any of my viewers or listeners looking at this and thinking this has been um, just gravy for, for Gary. He's just had opportunity and opportunity progress to him. So I'm really keen for you to share some of the examples of the challenges that you've had from a professional point of view after 30 years in the, in the city and also um, personally, if you may.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think look, I mean, it can only come back to to one thing. Um, listen, your viewers uh, may or may not know, and and you say you rightly you rightly say it's in the media, and I do it in the media. Um, when I moved from MF Global to ICAP, I had a medical in 2012, and uh, didn't think anything of it, um, and. So I had some adverse readings um, and after a, a few more tests, um, uh, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And uh, at 42 years of age, you don't expect to get prostate cancer. I've had a multitude of um, of cancer in my family. You know, my mum's mum and dad died um, when she was um, 18, six months apart um, of cancer. My dad Uh, Although he didn't die of cancer, he had cancer when he died. My uncle died of prostate cancer. So, um, you know, there's an amount of cancer in my family. But anyway, being told when I'm in my office where you came and saw me um, in, you know, to be told you got prostate cancer, you know, it it was a real leveler, you know, Um, and it was something that, you know, I, I didn't really didn't really know at the time, didn't really think much of it. Um but I went and got all the checks um and I was being operated on two weeks later you know and and I think i'm a very lucky boy because the what, what I had um was quite aggressive um and you know three of the eight samples they took before i got uh the uh, the operation were cancerous by the time they took it out all everything was cancerous, so it was spreading quite quickly so um I was lucky. That really, really leveled my life. That really, really put a a massive flag in the sand. Uh, right, I have to change things. Now, you know, it doesn't mean to say that I've, you know, become a marathon runner and I've done, no, not any of them things. But you know what? Had I not moved from MF Global to ICAP, I don't have that medical and I die. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately... Uh, Michael, you know that the chat that we referenced earlier on, Richard Brown, he was, he was uh, my business manager, he was a close, he didn't, sadly, he did not have that, um, that um, uh, luck, you know, and, and, and he, he discovered too late, he didn't have prostate cancer, he had, he had stomach cancer, and it was too late for him, you know, and, um, and, and he sadly, he sadly left us but, but I, I think, you know, again, it comes back to that word resilience, you know, when, when, when I was told, I, I chose not to tell my children um, because at the time I think mean, they were 10 and 13 and I did, you know what, I didn't want to burden them with that. Um, I just wanted to have the operation and get on with it. But you know what, that was a big flag in the sand moment for me. It allowed me to just push on and say, right, I've had a lucky escape. I'm going to, I'm going to make whatever time I've got left on this earth, I'm going to make the best of me. That's sort of from a, a personal um, perspective perspective. From a professional perspective, you know, you get the trials and tribulations and the challenges. You get people doubting you. You know, oh, how can Gary Pettit be this, and how can he do that, and and how can he, you know, what? And that's what drives you on. That's what drives you on. When people say he can't do that, and he, you know, I've had I've had loads of adversities in there, but those I think them on a personal thing that has been the real change in my life.
0: And and I was going to say. With Gary, and and again, people will start to see a constant theme here. Is not only did you you beat prostate cancer, you're now an ambassador for the charity, talking about and raising awareness. I think you had a you and Ray had a great interview with Jeff Stelling, um, which 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 really spread the word. I've done um cycle rides to Amsterdam to raise money for prostate cancer. Um, so thank you for being an inspiration um but also off the back of that you, you you and the governor decided to have baby teddy i i <laughs> i see after after you you got the all clear
1: <laughs> it was it was it was and and you know what it was uh, when we look at things you know when when you're told what about right prostate cancer this is what's going to happen you're going to have this and, and but then you can't have no children no more you know and it, you know listen it was it was something that we, me and Kelly had both lost our dads. We both sort of said, you know what, do we, do we want another child and all that sort of stuff. So luckily enough, before I had the operation, um, you know, I, 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 managed, I put some things in place. And, uh, and, and, and luckily, and just luckily, um, Kelly managed to carry uh, my teddy. And, and, and it's, it's just, it's an amazing story. And, and, the, and the great part about it is the more work I do for prostate cancer, the more that I, I can say and speak about that type of stuff in the media, which shows, yes, you can have prostate cancer, but no, it isn't the end of your life, you know. And so people can reference me and say, well, look, you know, he's still going strong and all that. And and sure I am. You know, it's just it. And they're, they're the most gratifying things I do. Just just trying to raise awareness of all them things, you know.
0: Thank you, Gary. Now. I want to ask you three last questions before um, I let you get back to the world of finance and and lead in a a, a massive organisation. So if you could share one piece of wisdom with your younger self, what would it be, Gary?
1: Just focus on your goals. Just focus on your goals. Do not be sidetracked. Bounce back when you have to bounce back. You're going to come across adversity, but you just got to keep going. You've just got to look and never, ever take no for an answer. If you could do, never say, you can't do this because of this. You can't do that because of that. You can, and you just got to stay focused.
0: You and I have spoken about this on numerous occasions before, Black Lives Matter. What is the one thing that you believe the corporate world needs to change or reconsider and why?
1: I think if I'm honest, barrier to entry, barrier to entry and that's the simple thing because don't tell me, don't tell me there's another CEO not not in, you know, coming from Dagnum or coming from there, you know, don't tell me that, that, that you can't get something from a council estate, don't tell me that, you know. It's, you know, when I when I look at some of these corporate places you know, again, I've said to you before, in, in many occasions, I could not care less whether you're black, blue, white, green, brown, It doesn't matter to me. If you can do the job, you do the job, you know, and unfortunately, I think that a lot of the corporate places have a tick box exercise that you have to fit into that mold. You have to have several, you have to have a degree, you have to have a two one, you have to have the, sorry, I mean, that That for me Yes, you've got to have a level of competence, but listen, uh, you know, it it matters not to me. You know, yes, as you go through your broken or your banking or you're going to have to come across exams. Yes, you've got to have the ability to be able to do that. You've got to take them and pass them for you to be able to move on. But don't make the barrier to entry so high that you are going to miss the rough diamonds that are hidden without without that you you just and, and that's i'm afraid that for me is the biggest thing barrier to entry to a lot of these companies is almost impossible nowadays and i personally again i i don't like it i i i try and make sure that i see a multitude of people for a multitude of roles you know we we, we talk about prejudice against and all that sort of stuff I don't do any of it. you know. Uh, people come to the job, they want the job, and if they're hungry enough, they should get the job. It's as simple as that.
0: And, and the last question for me, Gary, is you, you've mentioned barrier of entry being an issue. So as CEO of EDF and MAN, what initiatives have you put in place? Again, this has been your modus operandi since you took the role of interviewing folks, but from a corporate standpoint, what what's the organisation doing more broadly?
1: Well, look, we're what we're trying to do. You know, taking part in 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 some of the intern schemes, graduate program. Not everyone has graduate programs now. We're trying to, you know, bring that back in now. Like for example, trying to trying to encourage more, and and it's horrible to say run of the mill type people, people who haven't got the. You know, if 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 we're going for one job, I want to see a whole spectrum of. Of, of cvs you know have you seen all the right people have you seen have you seen these type of people you know yes he's got a brilliant background and yes he's done that but if we're starting from a level standing point you know what are we doing to do that and you know what uh, again i haven't changed everything I've, I've changed what i can change um but again my modus operandi going forward the, the motto really for me is give you for chance and that's what it is
0: wonderful Gary, I want you to sign off and, and um, is there anything else that you wanted to share that we've not touched on today with our viewers, um, with our listeners in, in, in 30 seconds? Is there anything else that you wanted to share that we've not touched on today?
1: Um, no, all I would say is... Look, um, you know, I don't look at myself as a Roman, nor should I be. Um, I'm always happy to talk to people, any of your listeners, any of them who want to speak. I'll I'll happily speak to them. But look, people should people should realize there is great opportunity out there, you know. And and, and, and for me, for me, just show the desire, show the passion, you know, and you will get somewhere. You can't be hidden. You can't be hidden. You know, when you start off in a job, make an impression. Go and, you know, I often I, you know, I go and watch the new people that come into my company and I'll go and talk to them. Hello there. How are you? I'm Gary. Uh, where, where have you come in from? Where do you live? How are you doing? And all that. But the youngsters uh, who are starting off today, even if you feel a bit nervous, just say hello to someone you don't know. And that's a, that's a step in the right direction. But look, it's, it's all out there for you. It's all out there for you. And you just got to be able to grab it. And when you get that one chance, grab it with both hands. And that's it.
0: Gary Pettit, Chief Executive Officer of EDF & Man, movie producer, sports agency owner, so again, it's really important that I I make sure that people go to your, your agency website. Um, can you give it a shout out, please, Gary, the name of the agency?
1: Integral Sports Management. So if anyone wants representation, give me a shout. Integral Sports Management.
0: Um, Ambassador for Prostate Cancer, husband to Kelly, father to three beautiful children, a friend to me, and a friend to many within the city and broader. Gary Pettit, thank you so much for being involved in this important initiative to, to spread awareness of social mobility, diversity, and really widening the, the, the search for more diverse talent within the city. Gary, thank you so much.
1: And um, thank you very much because the job you're doing is fantastic. Let's give these people a chance.
0: Good man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Progression Puzzle brought to you by Barrington Hibbert Associates. If you enjoyed this episode, which I truly hope you have, please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others find the show. For more information on how Barrington Inhibits can help you to maximize the power of difference, head over to www.barringtonhibbitt.com. Join us next time for more pieces of the progression puzzle.